This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. The Everyday Entrepreneur. Stories to inspire you. And a very warm welcome, not to the studio, because I keep going to say that and realise we're not quite in the studio. We are at the Hello Business Hub, the Atisalat Hello Business Hub. Warm welcome, though, to Nazar Musa, who's the co-founder and managing partner of Golf Reps, the founder of C- and CEO of Health TV and the founder of Spartans Boxing Club. Hello, and thanks for finding the time to come and... <laughs> thanks for having me on. Thanks for finding the time to come and speak to us. You're a very busy man. But um, I, I remember I bumped into you, it was probably almost a year ago now, mm. perhaps. Um, we had a conversation about um, the fact that we have starting up and it's a show about entrepreneurs. And you said, you know, I've been a serial entrepreneur, which is, it, it, it is true. But you've also had a few bumps in the road. And I guess we've decided today to talk about failure because we have lots of people on the show, George, who've done great things, really successful entrepreneurs. And I think we're, we're all loving, we love to champion the idea and celebrate, but it's and, good. And that's the key, Nat. I think we're talking to, peop- who's to successful people who've had failures. Yes. So that's the perfect, you know, that's the perfect uh, proof that the proof's in the pudding, like they say that, you know what, these people have had failures, but they're here because they're successful today. Yeah. And it's... It's just really great that you're talking about it because uh, uh, all we ever see in the media, especially in this part of the world, is the positive stories. And they're not all positive. It just isn't like that. If you start a business, if you haven't, if you haven't lost sleep because you're not sure you've got payroll tomorrow, then you haven't really started a business. I if agree. You, with you. you know, <laughs> if, if you haven't, you know, if, 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 if cash flow hasn't been an issue, all these things that affect small businesses are, are, are the real businesses, the 99.9% of businesses. And it's good that you're having the conversation about it. So tell us, tell us some of your stories then, as because I know that you know we, we've listed you know the roll call of what you do now. But you came here uh, and you'd had successful companies in different parts of mm. the world, and you tried to almost replicate some of that success here. And, and the the climate is quite different. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, the the business that I that I brought here from the UK and that we replicated some stuff, they were all very successful. Um, you know, I don't think I've ever, Edison said I've never failed. I've just found 10,000 ways of doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's how I feel, really. You keep, you keep learning from it. My, the biggest challenge that I had was really an investment that I made here in 2009. And, and it was a challenge because it was a high-profile business. And I'll name it. It was called Blue Banana. And, and it, it was in the press that um, the founder uh, um, absconded. And, and there was a lot of challenges around the post uh, failure process of that business and I had just invested a couple of weeks earlier and a, a meaningful amount of money and I was on holiday and I heard from him that he was now in London and coming back to try and clean up that mess was, was a real challenge. Were you responsible for cleaning up the mess? Were you the only person left that was Well, done? so before I came back I checked if I was on the trail and <laughs> so yeah. just making sure I was safe um, and, and the reality was no, the paperwork hadn't been done yet the money had been taken yeah. and spent yeah. the, so I was sort of safe to come back in and then I, I, I just wanted to be sure that the team were okay and that and that I personally was okay, and, and it's important that, um, and that you think, protect your own brand in that situation. Yeah, and right? I, think, I think the story there, he actually did a graceful exit, saying, writing a letter to his, to his creditors and saying, listen, I will pay you at some point. It's just that, you know, that the way it is here, I have to leave immediately and so on and so on. I think he was, he was actually praised for that graceful exit that he did, yeah. even if it was, it was tough times. Yeah, except he's sure. never paid a penny back. Yeah, exactly. and, I'm not sure if you invested and, uh, in the company, you would care how graceful yeah. the exit yeah. is. Yeah, and <laughs> also, honest. obviously, that's the, it's easy to write a letter 
to tell people that's what happened, but there was a lot more than one in the back of it. But the reality is that, that you, we, I learned from that process. Right? I should have done my DD a little bit more. I should have, I should have been closer to the finances. I should have, there's a lot of things that, that I should have done that maybe it would have saved me you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. But Hence, you consider it a failure that you hadn't done that. Well, yeah, but it's a learning curve. If you, if you haven't failed, I don't, your, your, your poll is fascinating. Mm. If you haven't failed... Um, I don't know how you can, you can be successful. The reality is that um, it's just part of life. And, and your, um, your guest earlier um, talked about celebrating, celebrating failure. I, I don't. I don't celebrate failure. But on the other side of it, I don't massively celebrate success. I just try and keep an even keel. Yeah. Therefore, it's never too stressful yeah. and never too happy and everything's yeah. okay. And I guess one of the things George was discussing a little earlier on um, was about the fact that things are a little easier if things don't go right here. There used to be a real fear that if you made a mistake and your business didn't quite perform the way you wanted it to, it could be a challenge and, and some people do end up having to leave. But the, the way that things are set up now makes it a little bit easier to take that risk and, yeah. and, and to be the kind of person that wants to try something new. Sure, compared to 2009, absolutely. But, but we're still... We're still lagging compared to, I, I, I was in Sydney um, up until last year when we moved over again. And, you know, that's a, a completely different startup environment. You know, pe people are really seriously encouraged to, to give it a go. And the, 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 the consequences of failure aren't as meaningful as they are here. For example, if you have a business here and it doesn't work and for whatever reason, you know, your, your actual visa to stay in the country may be in, in jeopardy, you know, but it's mm. not going to be like that if you're in Australia or the Europe or Singapore or wherever I was. So there's still a long way to go. Banking needs to catch up with SMEs and there's a long way to go. But compared to where it was in 2009, um, it's chalk and cheese. You know, Health TV is a digital media business that we, that we set up last year. And the process to set up was fantastic. Um, it set up a media city. The, the support we get is, is, is great. It, it's, a different, it's, a, it's, a, it's a specific life cycle. It's a much more life mature, mature environment than it was, yeah, that's for absolutely. sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it might succeed, it might not succeed, but at least you've given it a go in, a, in, a, in, in the environment. You know? but as we mentioned in your title, there's a few companies you've got. You mentioned Health TV is something that you launched last year. Tell oh. us a bit more about that. Yeah, so we're a digital out-of-home media business. We put uh, screens in health environments, in clinics, in gyms. In, in, in hospitals, um, in the waiting rooms, and then we create content for those screens, and okay. then we sell advertising around that content. So we've got an audience that looks at a screen, and we try and entertain them and inform them, and then we sell advertising around it as well. So if I was going into the dentist, there's a likelihood, you know, some of the fancy dentists now, you yeah. can watch these screens as stuff is happening. You are the guys behind that. Absolutely, yeah. So we, we, we'll try not to talk about what's going to happen in the dentist in a minute, but we'll talk. <laughs> We've got news, weather, sports, entertainment, quizzes, everything that updates every half an hour. So you're just entertained and, and your time passes quicker. The waiting time in, 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 in the UE is about 50 minutes in general. So we've got to try and... You know, entertain that you during that time, yeah. Yeah, most people are just sat down with their heads down, glued yeah. into their phones, so you're trying to change it Absolutely, from that yeah. kind of experience. Okay, and what about um, Spartans Boxing Club? So Spartans Boxing Clubs, I, I think the first time we met was at Robbie's Boxing Fight. It was, <laughs> um, when Robbie, what was his, what was his nickname? Robbie, Robbie Greenfield. Remember, for the record, Natalie has tried every single gym in the U.S. <laughs> That's for research purposes. Well, maybe, have I? Well, may, you may, seem like you have. <laughs> maybe we need a Spartans here then, yeah. So Spartans Boxing Club, boxing's been a passion of mine. I, I'm, I became diabetic and I found it was the way to lose 40 kilos relatively quickly. And I got 40? Yeah, Four zero? Yeah, I was quite, quite a big boy. 
Um, oh, wow, that's impressive. And then a particular exit of a business that I was running in, in Singapore, my wife said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to open a boxing gym. She said, okay, but not as a passion play. This, you've got your businessman. If it doesn't break even in six months, then you have to look it on the head. Yeah. Like the sound of your wife there. Yeah, yeah do it by all so. means, but yeah. make sure it's successful. <laughs> but we did, you know, three months in. He says aggressive and he scratches his head. He's like, is she stuck behind me? <laughs> <laughs> three months in, we operationally broke even. Now we have four, so the Spartans boxing clubs all over Singapore. And um, you never know, maybe we'll open one here as well soon. Well done. Robbie the Nut Jobby, that's what he was called. Brilliant. I remember now. Brilliant. I remember Robbie the Nut Jobby <laughs> Greenfield. It was them. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. that is where yeah. we met. So tell us about golf reps as well. So golf <laughs> reps so is... Uh, Robbie the nut jobby. What yeah. the <laughs> He's like the most chilled guy ever oh as well. God. Have you met... Anyway, yeah. we, I digress. Please um, tell us about golf yeah, reps. So golf reps, I set up in 2006 with my, with my co-founder, Leo. Um, and we are a... I have some good words for, okay. for golf reps. You know, we, we have a product that came in, we came up with at Virtue Zone called VirtuFit, okay. a product that you can actually get here at the Etisalat Business Hub when you come here. Um, it is basically for trainers uh, to be properly licensed through a DED special license that we provide only. VirtuZone is the only uh, company to provide this that allows you to have insurance and allows you to train people anywhere you want. Mm. Golf Reps was one of the only companies that actually got us on board as quickly as possible saying this is something that we need because this is the only way for them to work legally. Whereas we went, we knocked on Jim's doors, we knocked on these people and they were like, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disrupt any of my business. I don't want this. I know that some of my people are working not the right way. They don't have the license. And, 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 and golf reps uh, took us with open arms and said, fairly enough, said, okay, how can we make money yeah. out of this? But said, you know what? We want to, we want to introduce you to our people. We want to give this access to yeah. our people. So, so well done on that. Thank you. No, it's a, look, it's an established business. We've got some fantastic clients all around the world. Um, my, my brother is a, is a partner as well and, and he runs the business on a day-to-day -day basis, Sammy. Um, and, and it's great. We work with some of the, the biggest brands uh, in travel and uh, hospitality around the world, um, promoting the whole of the Middle East from here. And each one of those businesses is a different life cycle, right? A stage of the life cycle. So, you know, as I said, Health TV is a brand new business, a, a year old. We've got Spartans. The first Spartans opened five years ago. The last Spartans opened last week. So they're, they're all at different stages. And, and Gulf Reps has been around since 2006. And, and the way I've always worked is that there'll be three or four different things I'm involved in. One will smash it out of the park. And I'll hopefully keep my wife happy for a while. <laughs> the two or three may just tick along and do nicely, and, 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 then, and then somebody <laughs> will fail. Yeah, and 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 you have to. It's the nature of it, right? It's the nature of what I do. And and tell me about the the um, the, the gyms in Singapore because you said it started out as one, and, and in terms of you know your wife said, okay, you can have one, but make it successful. What yeah. were some of the things that you learned in that first one? That once you've you've gone to four locations, now you've gone right. Well, you know, when we set this up, we didn't know any better. We did X, Y, and Z. For these next couple, let's not make that mistake. It's really interesting you say that because we wanted to open a gym that was welcoming and we're opening a boxing gym. And mm. those two things aren't necessarily, necessarily aligned. Yep. I would agree as someone who, yeah. as George says, has tried every gym in the UAE. But, but we started with a tagline that's boxing without the bruises. We started with the fact that every gym I've been in, there'd been something I loved about mm. it. And we took all of those things, including the fact that we were living in a condominium in, in, in Singapore and the, and the lady who was at the, the reception every day would say hello to us and would say hello to any guests we had. And we'd always remember their name. And so we just asked her to leave her job and come and run our gym for us. So she came and... <laughs> And, and then we have classes for, for ladies only, kids, uh, new mums who just want to get out of the house because they've just seen their yeah. baby for the last three months and they need <laughs> to speak to an adult. And so we kind of did everything um, to make it a community gym. And, and we, we were successful quickly 
and we've taken those learnings and developed them further to, to open up the other gyms in Singapore. And, and that model will work wherever we take it. Now, yeah. it's, now it's about not overstretching, not putting ourselves in, you know, in any financial uh, risk or, 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 or stress. And, and um, the model works now, and it, and it proves it works because the, the time to, to profitability, operational yeah. profitability, has dropped from the six months when, or the four months when, when we opened number one to two weeks. The first, the last two gym, weeks. The last gym became operationally profitable in two weeks. Wow. So our model works, and we'll bring it around. And and and, and you develop, right? You learn. You, you yeah. Sometimes you take risks. Other times you, you choose not to. Um, and what's the what's the sort of marketplace like in Singapore? In a place like Dubai, you can't move for for, the, for there being a gym. Is it like that in Singapore, or is it? Well, no, yes, but we, we just do boxing. Yeah. And we do, we do boxing really, really well, and we do it specialized in 30-odd different classes a week. And, and like you say, you know, there's a lot of gyms. But realistically, I live in the ranches. There isn't a gym in the ranches. And there is 50,000 people around me there, right? And yeah. there isn't a gym in the ranches. Studio City, Motor City, there's lots. Of, if you can just find the location, and get that small right. box gyms like ours, which break even at 90, 100 members, you know, there are locations for it. Yeah. The other thing about Dubai, yes, there's a lot of gyms, but you can't really travel that easily. No. So unless it's near you, where you work, where you live, it's not really... A, and we're used to this comfortable lifestyle, right? So we're very lazy here. We, we don't want to travel 20 minutes to go to the gym. We want something that's close to the house with yeah, easy parking. for sure. Or, you know, with a good right. price and all that. So, right. yeah. And what kind of advice, um, Naz, would you have as a sort of serial entrepreneur then? Because lots of people that we have listening to this program uh, have either set up a company or are hoping that one day they might get to do so. And I guess our theme today of failure, like you said, it's a tough conversation and it's a bit of a taboo subject. And um, what kind of ad advice would you have to budding entrepreneurs about that attitude towards failure? Yeah, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. It's part of the process. It's part of the journey, and it's absolutely okay. It's this. I mean, I keep going back to boxing. I shouldn't, but if if there is a lot of people that go and train at a boxing gym, there's only half a percent that will ever get in a ring and have a fight. And an entrepreneur is that half a percent. There's a yeah. lot of people who can have a conversation saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to start a business this time next year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that." But there's only a few of you, or a few of us, that actually do it. That cross that that barrier of comfortableness. That 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 mean. You don't know if you're going to get a salary for the next six, 12 months. You don't know if you're going to be able to pay your staff salary. You don't, there's so many unnerving things. The, lose, if, the losing sleep factor, if, like yeah. you said. And if you've got the guts to do that, then be prepared to fail. It's absolutely fine. You're, you're part of that unique 1% that took the risk. And just keep going. And I guess without, without that high risk, there's no opportunity of great reward. You know, lots of people want to be a successful CEO. They want to be a successful company owner mm. or entrepreneur. But if you don't take that risk, you'll never, ever be able to reap the rewards. And like you say, you could just as easily end up flat on your face too. Absolutely. And, and that reward doesn't necessarily have to be financial. There's a reward in managing your time, you know, focusing on your kids, focusing on your, your partner. Those are rewards as well. And if it gives you that, it's as good as making millions of dollars because you exited once or twice. And this is perhaps a slightly personal question and feel free to say absolutely none of your business. But <laughs> did you start your first company before you had children? No. So you, you had no, the additional yeah. family stress? Yeah, there was a lot of, I mean... Uh, yeah, uh, my risks, my risk levels are, are meaningful. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So no, I had two kids, um, and I moved country. So I moved here to start a business. Wow. So moved country, two kids, um, uh, at a time, 2005. So if you're going to take a risk, there it is. Okay. 
Wow. And what would you say has been the biggest lessons? I, I mean, you've said that you don't like to dwell on the failures or the successes too much. It's kind of something that's just happened. But is there any, anything that sticks out in your mind aside from the investment in terms of when it comes to running businesses yourself, your own companies, rather than an investment mm. sort of strategy? It's, it's knowing what you don't know. Being prepared to say, as a, look, most entrepreneurs, I can say it because I'm one, have meaningful egos, right? <laughs> um, and, and it's difficult to say you don't know something. But if you, if you can cross that barrier and say, you know what, I'm not all that around finance. I need a CFO around me. I, I, I'm not a techie. Let me get a product person help, helping me there. Know what you're good at. Focus on that and get good people around you who can do the other stuff for you. It's okay. It's okay that you don't know everything. It's That's impossible. That's great advice. Yeah, mm. I agree. And, and what about that? That part of you. You say, you know, whether it's in the boxing ring or otherwise, there's only a few people that will jump over and get in the ring, so to speak, and take that risk. If someone's sitting at home, sitting on a, a brilliant idea, a great concept that they think will do well, how do you, you know, you could sit and plan and, and write a business plan and a pitch until you're blue in the face. When, when should you know? And when should you learn when to sort of take that idea on and just run with it? I would just say just do it. I mean, yeah, you, you know, when, when it comes to raising money, you, you're going to need to document your plans. You're going to need to pitch yourself out. You're going to need to do a lot of things that you're not used to doing, maybe not comfortable doing. But if you've got an idea that you truly believe will work, do it. Just start it off. Start it off alongside your job. Make it a secondary income. Do, do it because if you don't do it, then you're going to be, you know, in two or three years' time sat somewhere wondering what if better or watching someone else do it or that's what i was going to say or seeing someone else and go i had that idea like yeah. three years better ago better to live with remorse than with regret i mean george you keep saying that and yeah. i you strike me more as the um seek forgiveness not ask permission and i'm, I'm not sure if that's quite the same thing one, one has nothing to do with the other natalie but that's okay <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so I, I so the idea behind this i prefer to live with remorse because of failure rather than regret because i never tried Okay. I will explain it a third time if you need me to. No, no, no. no. Okay. I'm just, exactly right, just exactly guessing. Right. Yeah. Entrepreneurs <laughs> understand each other. <laughs> well, tell me about your company again. I keep forgetting the name of it. Um, no, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Naz, is you mentioned at the very start of this interview that you think it's good that we're having this conversation because failure is sort of something that we talk about in hushed tones and sweep it under the carpet mm. and the conversation and, and the sort of, um, you know, the, the business circle or community here don't like to talk about failures but you go somewhere else and anyone that's working in the vc world wants to know tell me the second idea that you had that was rubbish that's got you to where you are today tell me how this part worked and this part didn't so what do we need to do as a business community here to change that conversation and that narrative we just have to keep having it this is the first time i've honestly genuinely i've heard this conversation and, and I was here for seven or eight years, 2005, 2012, and I've been here back 18 months. This is the first time I've had a conversation about it's this. It's all nice and rosy. There's no failures. There's no failures. Everybody's got a great business. We're all millionaires, yeah. right? So, of course, that isn't the case. Of course, it isn't. And the more you talk about it, the more acceptable it becomes. The challenge is failure here, in a business sense, may affect not just like your, your ego and your livelihood or else, but actually whether you can stay in the country. Mm. And I think, you know, as a community and alongside the government, we have to find ways of protecting people. It's yeah. okay to have a go and don't worry if it doesn't work. Nobody's kicking you out of the country, right? Yeah. So there's just got to be a way of evolving. And, and if we take 2009 Blue Banana or 2006 when we set up Gulf Reps and, and where we are today and Health TV last year, it's chalk and cheese. This, we're just in a very, very different environment. It's great that it's changing. It's great that it's growing, but we've still got to go a bit, a bit further.
Okay, thank you so much for your time. Nazar Musa is the co-founder and managing partner of Golf Reps, the founder and CEO of Health TV and the founder of Spartans Boxing Club. Really appreciate you coming on and your candor. I think it's been really interesting and it's, it's great we've started the conversation. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.